women have a unique role in creation. Women are the nurturers, the birth givers, the more spiritual of the genders. And Torah teaches that women have a special status. Join Mashi Lipska for the next hour as she expounds the Torah wisdom specific to women. Only on 101.9 High FM. Aguten Erev Shabbos. And here we are in the second parsha, in the second portion of the book of Genesis, Breshit. The days are getting longer, and we have only two weeks to go till that special Shabbos of the Shabbos Project. Getting ready now with all kinds of surprises. Thank you so much to our chief rabbi and his rebbitzin for this awesome gift to our community and indeed to communities, hundreds of them around the world. Today we will light our candles by 6.06 and Shabbos ends tomorrow, 6.58. And let's look, let's try and understand the parsha this week called Noach after the central figure, the man who stays connected to the heritage, to the morality of the first creatures in this world, Adam and Eve. Noach, the Parsha, is named after Noach, the man whom Hashem chooses to save, the man who, together with his family, would, after the flood, after the flood of Noach, repopulate the entire world. But what is Breshit? The whole book is called Breshit. Last week's parsha began, the reading of the Torah from the beginning, and it's called Breshit. And of course, Breshit or Breshit is the name of the entire book, all 12 portions of the book, as each one of the subsequent four books of the Torah is going to have its initial parsha with a name that's the same as the entire, the entire one-fifth of the Chumash, of the Torah. And so the entire book is named for the first portion and carries the theme of the first portion. Breshit means the beginning. And the beginning is not only the name of the portion where Hashem creates the world, but the entire book is the setting of the stage for God's plan, His wish, His scheme to transform the entire world into His home. We'll be right back after this short break. You're listening to Conversations with Mashi only on 101.9 High FM. I'm Mashi Lipsker. And we're talking about the one-fifth. We're talking about the first book of the Torah that we're involved in reading at the moment. Reading, studying, living with. And we're told that very much at the beginning, God created the heaven and earth and everything in them. And what he did was intentionally hid himself the Medrash says God intentionally created 
this entire world as something seemingly separate from spirituality. It's a lower realm, tachtoinim, devoid, sometimes even opposed to divine sensitivity and consciousness. But look at the first pasuk, Breshit bara Elohim. It was Elohim God who created everything. And this is the way he wanted to create it. This was Kiritsono. God had a plan. God does nothing that isn't infinitely wise. And we use that word infinitely loosely. Beyond anything we can understand. Intricate, consistent, rational, super-rational. And what was the intention? Why did he hide himself? The intention is for humanity to fill the world. For humanity to complete creation by revealing the truth. And that is Breshit Bara Elohim, that God created the world. And he gave the world a tool. And the tool to humanity is the Torah. Because it's an incredible feat he expects of us. He created the world one way. And we need to make the world another way. The world doesn't see. The world doesn't have, it seems. The world doesn't project, display godliness. But as the first Rebbe, the Alter Rebbe, the author of the Tanya and the Shulchan Aruch, also known as the Rav, said, Hashem took spirituality and converted it into physicality. And Hashem gives us material things so that we can convert them into spiritual things. What a privilege. Intentional by God. A world in which he is hidden. So there's a drama in creation, and it requires three elements. There's the people, the place, and the thing. There's the world. Then there's the human race. And then there's the Torah. The world is the setting. The human race are the actors. And the Torah is the script. There you go. All the world is the setting, the stage. The human race... The actors who come to take their place on stage, according to the Torah, the script, the world, glorious, complex, beautiful, enjoyable, the human race, talented, complex, capable of so much, and the Torah, each one a creation of Hashem. Each one a manifestation of God himself. Each one from Hashem, of Hashem, with Hashem. And in the Torah, which is God's will and delight, his wisdom, like the world and like the human race,
It's dressed in physical things, physical trappings. The Torah speaks about what we should and shouldn't eat, how we should treat each other, which festivals to celebrate and how. The world teaches, the Torah teaches us about life in the world, caring for the poor, lending money, keeping the Shabbos. It doesn't necessarily look spiritual. The Torah is dressed in physical action. We, the human beings, our bodies, our emotions, are the ones that are manifest. And God's glorious world, well, it's a tree, it's the sun, it's the moon, it's the owl, it's the peacock, it's the lion, it's the buck. Yes, it's the buck. And all three on the surface can be misunderstood. But it was all intentional that God hid the holiness. He hid the true essence, which is godliness. And that's because he wanted to give us free choice. No other creature in the world, only the human race has free choice, had free choice. And the free choice that God gave us is so all-encompassing It's a free choice to ignore him, to ignore his intentions for the world. And unfortunately, that's exactly what the early generations did. The earlier generations progressively became more and more degenerate until it was time for this week's Parsha. At the end of last week's Parsha, Hashem says, I have decided to wipe out, to erase the creation that I made. It's going to be the flood. It seems a very sad and painful result, a painful time, and it is, when God's beautiful, beautiful world, created with so much optimism, so much joy and so much love, So much beauty is now going to be totally destroyed by a flood. Well, we come to the Parsha this week, and we're going to see the account of the great flood, where the world is washed away, and where Noach, only Noach and his family, are saved. As mentioned... Noach was the one who held fast to the morality, the traditions that he had inherited from the first human beings. There must have been so much peer pressure. How? I know there was no internet. I know that he didn't have to ride the waves, surf the internet. But nevertheless, you don't live in a cave. Nevertheless, Noach ish tzaddik, he remained faithful to himself and to his ancestors. Of course, there's an incredible, incredible lesson for us. First of all, the ability that we can do this sort of thing. And secondly, 
We need to understand that our partnership with God is never severed. And God's intention in creation is never changed. So what actually happened? Did God think he made a mistake? No. Hasidic teaching explains he didn't bring the flood because suddenly he realized this is not going to work. What I did here is a mistake. I had a plan, but it's just not working. Let's scrap this. Rather, the way the world was before and after the flood were actually realities that were stages in the development of the world. Indeed, these are stages reflected in my life and yours. Before the flood, the world was locked into these irresistible forces of cause and effect. If you made a good choice, every good choice was reinforced. It reinforced goodness in this world, mitzvah goreres mitzvah. The goodness you performed with your good choice remained permanent, but also the negative that you did, every bad choice, reinforced evil permanently. It's just impossible to get away from that. And Hashem sent the next stage. The flood, the marble, softened reality by introducing something new, and that was the opportunity for repentance. When Noah came out of the flood, he didn't see a ruined world. He didn't see a world like after a hurricane, after an earthquake, God forbid, after a landslide. But the world was beautiful. It was new, brand new, fresh. The world was full of promise. It was free of the shackles of the past. This was a new, different existence. This was something of a new level. And we too, in our own lives, we can make the mistake of thinking that the way we were raised or the where we were born or our own mistakes have actually trapped us forever. My heredity. Yeah, that's who I am. What can I do? That's how I was raised. That's the tradition. My upbringing. The mistakes I made in the past. But when Hashem brought the flood, He changed reality. The opposite became the truth. And the opposite is it's never too late. Hashem is always, always, always waiting to welcome us back with open arms. Like the flood, repentance, true, sincere return allows and enables us to take any difficult phase behavior of the past and use it to cleanse, refine, elevate us to a new level, to give us the wherewithal to prepare us to carry on with greater faith and greater strength.
far from the flood being a punishment, as it were, it was a cleansing. It was a mikveh. It was a whole other experience for the world. It washed away the negativity. In fact, the world... It was like it was being cleansed with one big mikveh, one big cleansing immersion. And these were waters, as the mikveh waters are, of purity, of cleansing, of upliftment, of shedding the past and giving hope and strength for the future. In fact, the word mikveh is from the root word tikva, hope, no matter what. I've done in the past. I am washing it away. I am emerging new, new promise, new hope. I leave it all behind. A fresh start. What a gift. Well, the mikveh is a wonderful thing. And during the flood, the world was being mikveh, as it were. But we don't stay in the mikveh. We go to the mikveh now and again. And I encourage all women, all Jewish women to know that this is a gift, a gift to yourself, to your family. Even if a woman did not use a mikveh before the birth of her child, going to the mikveh elevates her, her husband, and that child retroactively. You take on mikveh. And it has the power to reach into the past. No regrets, just gratitude. The same with kosher. Kosher, we know, like mikveh, refines the body, refines the mind and the heart. And those of us who did not eat kosher, And we didn't eat kosher when we were carrying a child in the womb or feeding an infant or feeding our children and building their bodies from food which is spiritually sensitizing, healthy for the body and the soul of a Jewish person. If we change our kitchens and our habits now and we begin to eat kosher and feed the family kosher. It has a retroactive effect on the children. It changes the way they think and feel. It elevates. It sensitizes. And then we begin to see the effects of the mikveh, the effects of the kosher, which we'll speak about after this announcement. The South African Jewish Board of Deputies invites you to attend its national conference. It will be taking place a week from Sunday on the 10th of November at the Halton Hotel from 4 p.m. A most distinguished panel consisting of Dr. Ruel Koza, Robbie Brosen, Professor Adam Habib, Mary Kluck, and Judge David Unterhalter. The theme, South Africa, Unpacking Reality. Awards will be presented 
to those who've contributed to our community with a special tribute to the late Johnny Clegg. RSVP is essential via the SAJBD website, Jewish Board of Deputies, www.sajbd.org forward slash events. I'll be right back with you after this short break. You're listening to Conversations with Mashi only on 101.9 High FM. Book lovers of High FM, your book show is back. From today, the 1st of November, between 11 and 12 midday, People of the Book is back on your airwaves. Janice Leibovitz will be chatting about everything book-related. New releases, both local and international, authors, book clubs, writing tips, and so much more. This is your book show. Be a part of it. Share what you're doing. Share what you're reading on books at chayfm.com. I'm Ashi Lipsker. Ah, good nerve Shabbos on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Noyach with two weeks to go to the Shabbos Project. And we're talking about God's intentionally creating the world where he is hidden, where the world is devoid of manifest godliness. And it's with an intention. The intention is that humanity fill the world. And the tool, the Torah. It's an incredible feat. God created it one way, and we change it to something else, and the result is at the time of the Mashiach. And how? Through the Torah, through the mitzvahs. It's an amazing, amazing privilege, an amazing responsibility, an amazing idea, an empowerment, an upliftment for us individually and as the human race. So what happened? Well, in truth, Hashem desired all of humanity to do this. However... As mentioned before, humanity progressively slipped away from the original teachings, from the original tradition, because the free choice that God had given, because he wasn't seen, actually caused them to choose badly. And of course, because Hashem had given us free choice, he was obliged, as it were, to remove his revelation from the world, and progressively he hid more and more behind the facade of nature. Is he gone? God forbid. He's there more than ever if we look for him. Anyhow, when humanity disappointed him, in response to most of humanity choosing to ignore him, don't worry, Hashem had a second plan. He had a contingency plan. He took the one family that continued to hold on to and to nurture and to be faithful to the original idea and the original hope and plan to bring divine consciousness into the world, And he took that family 
and he made them into a nation, the Jewish people. And to them, he entrusted the original mission that he had intended for all of creation. And the mission is to fulfill the purpose of creation, to reveal godliness in the world through Torah and mitzvahs. On the stage now, the stage of creation would be the Jewish people and the script, the Torah. The Jewish people would both serve as an inspiration and example for the rest of humanity, and they would encourage them to play their role in God's scheme for transforming the world into a home for him. So picture the stage and the actors and the script, and in a sense, picture the audience. The book of Breshit, the book of Genesis, is not only the story of creation, but it's also the story of the creation of the Jewish people and why the creation of the Jewish people became necessary and how it came about. So it's creation, and then it's the opportunity for all of mankind to play their role, and then the contingency plan comes into place. Indeed, at the end of this week's Parsha, Abraham is born. Avraham Avinu, a descendant of Noach, the middle son of Noach, whose name was Shame, Shame the Tzaddik. And Avraham Avinu is the one who transformed the world, taught ethical monotheism. The world is different because of Abraham. And his birth comes in the parsha called Noach. Noach means calm, naches, naiche. And the waters of the flood are called the waters of calming because there was a naches for Hashem in the way that the world would now progress. The mikveh of the world, the mabel, cleansed the world, but also teaches us a great lesson. The world is a place of turbulent waters. But our job is to take the world and to turn it into a place that is purified, a place of naches for Hashem. In fact, let's speak about a metaphor as to how we go forward and synthesize physical and spiritual. So here's the story. The story is, and we need to say that in this month, there's going to be the birthday, the month of Cheshvan, the birthday of the fifth Rebbe. And it was in the summer of 1898 that the fifth Rebbe was traveling together with his son, who would later be the sixth Rebbe. The fifth Rebbe, the Rebbe Rashab, as all the Rebbes did, showed exceptional, exceptional kibbutz of, sorry, kibbutz aim, respect, I'm sure kibbutz of as well, but his father died when he wasn't so old, 
and incredible respect for his mother, the Rebetzin Rivka. And even when he was Oivdache in the resort, he would travel back to Lubavitch to see her. And when she was spending the summer at the resort, he would leave Lubavitch and travel to see her there. So that summer, she was in a place called Olivka. And when he would go in for the day, he would also see various people who would come for a private audience. Anyhow, he would travel by Droshka. And Droshka is coach. Previous Rebbe in the time of the story was 18 years old. And the Droshka was harnessed to two horses. And the coachman's name was Shaul. And the horses would listen to the coachman. He had hardly ever had to use his long whip to get them going. So the story is once while they were riding in the droshka, Shaul stopped at a brook, of course, as usual, to give the horses a chance to drink. He had fed them oats, and the drink, of course, of water was to wash down the oats. And when they'd had enough, Shaul went back to his seat in the coach, and he tugged at the reins, He gave a light smack with his whip, and off they rode. However, what he said to them, his tongue lashing was a bit harsher. Hey, you foolish horses, he called. You had a nice refreshing drink. That water was good, hey? And you enjoyed your oats, right? You probably think, and he's talking as he's riding. So the coachman is saying, you probably think I gave you a drink to make you feel good and to improve the taste of the hay and to make the oats more palatable. Right, right? You're wrong, he says, and he's calling out to the horses. That was not the reason at all. I gave you food and drink so you'd have more strength to pull the wagon and be more willing to pull it. When the Rebbe heard the words of the coachman, he looked serious and became lost in thought. Then he turned to his son and he said, Zayde, his grandfather, the Tzemach Tzedek, said that he heard from his Zayde, the Alter Rebbe, that when he was in Mezrich, it was often said in the name of the Baal Shem Tov that everything one sees or hears, even the seemingly simplest things, or seemingly most insignificant things, are a lesson by divine providence to teach us something in the service of God. And then the Rebbe said, did you hear what Shaul said? Did you hear what he said to the horses? He understands that giving the horses hay and oats and then water, it's not just so they will enjoy their food, but to give them strength to pull the wagon. And then he said, there's a spiritual wagon that each one of us is required to pull. It's the study of Torah and the performance of mitzvahs. But in order to pull it, Hashem has to give us strength. We need strength, so he gives us all the material things that we require so the body can be healthy and strong and 
the wise Jew understands, and he doesn't make the mistake of thinking that the the hay, the oats, the water is the main thing. The main thing is to study Torah and do mitzvahs. But Hashem gives us our needs so we should be able to do it with full strength, without problems, to be able to fill the world with God's holiness and revelation. Of course, the horses don't understand this. And in order that they don't make this mistake, the coachman's going to give them a bit of a smack occasionally. He whips them sometimes. He says that's a good way for horses, but not for people. A person should not have to be reminded of what his real privilege and real responsibility is. A human being should just learn the lesson from a kind word of a mentor, a teacher, or a reminder or mild loving rebuke from a friend. That should be enough. After all, we have intelligence, we have wisdom, and each one of us is able to understand we are not just a body, we're not just here for pleasure. And we will end with a lovely story from the Rebbe. It was in 1969 that the prominent businessman and politician gave an address. His name was Gordon Zacks. And he gave a keynote address to the Council of Jewish Federations. The Rebbe read the speech and afterwards invited Mr. Zacks to a private audience. And he told him as follows, I have read your speech, and it's clear that you're taking good care of your mind. I look at you, and it's clear you've taken good care of your body. But what are you doing to take care of your soul? In order for a person to thrive, the neshama also needs to be nurtured. May we have a good Shabbos. May we understand the incredible lessons of creation, of our place and responsibility in creations. And even if there is a difficulty, to understand that there's always hope. Good Shabbos.